Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy and the galaxy here in our own world, this is Force Center Presents Other Center. I'm Ken Navsock. I'm Joseph Other Scrimshaw. And I am Jennifer Otherlanda. <laughs> and we are here to continue our journey through Other Center. And I'll tell you what, this morning I woke up and I was I got to fine tune that intro. I got to make it really snappy like it can fit on a bumper sticker. And I, I haven't workshopped it yet, so we'll get there. I <laughs> like Force Center Presents. Other center. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of like a mold of Frank Sinatra variety shows like Timex brings you Frank Sinatra. 
Yes. Exactly. Yes. Timeless. Timeless indeed. Uh, we're having a, a lot of fun doing this journey. We appreciate all of you who are supporting us on this journey, uh, the journey through Other Center. And we got a great one here today we're going to dive into. This is a, an idea Joseph pitched the team, and it just it's going to take us places. And it actually will be hard not to mention some of the things we love when we talk about this. Uh, today yeah. we're going into the gift and curse of nostalgia. Oh, it's going to be fun. Before we get to that, though, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Uh, it is a, uh, a long-standing thing around here, and we really appreciate those who choose it to support. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I saw in our Force Center <laughs> Discord this week, someone uh, highlighted that um, uh, I, a lot of them youngins don't really even know what an MP3 player is. And, I, you know, it's so much in my rearview mirror, I almost forget <laughs> what it is. So. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And this copy that we've been reading, we should maybe check in. Is it's it, it's a little old. It uh, you know probably about seven years old, and it was probably just like a catch all. Like I I don't know. Does we don't want to offend like an eighty year old with a Zoom? So just throw an MP3 player. <laughs> it's amazing. I uh, love it. I love it. Speaking of nostalgia, this is nostalgic ad copy that we uh, can't let go. <laughs> uh, that is uh, one of our A's, the audible portion of it, but we do have a current ask and Joseph, uh, take it away with this ask. And it's also a, uh, a, a bit of gratitude, I think in this uh, section. Mm. Yes. Yes. It's an ask. And then I was going to try to add an A to gratitude, but then it comes, becomes attitude. And I don't want to give you attitude. I want to give you gratitude. We all do. Uh, we have been asking for a while, uh, uh, to, uh, encourage people to check out and see if they want to support our Patreon. We did a big push earlier this year, really recognizing that, uh, Patreon is our strongest, most consistent, uh, source of support to keep this going and to keep this growing. We very understandably had a dip as we started Other Center. Uh, we have no problem with anybody who says, I've been listening to this Star Wars podcast for Star Wars and uh, bless you, but this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. We've got no problem with that. But we had a, a really significant dip. And last week, uh, we put out a call uh, for more support on Patreon. And people answered the call. A lot of uh, people who had not been a part of Patreon jumped on. And I really want to recognize a ton of our, our listeners, a, a ton of the people in this community who have been on Patreon for a long time, uh, bumped up the level that they were supporting. And that obviously helps us financially. It helps us keep this going and growing. Uh, but it was really rewarding to see the amount that you understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and support it. So thank you all so much for that. Uh, that's the gratitude part. The asking part is oh, we still want to grow. Uh, so before we uh, transitioned to other center during the strikes, we were building to a goal of 2100 and we were close to it. And now we're back to being close to it. So if you can get us up over 2100, uh, we'll do uh, Ken and I didn't discuss this, but uh, the previous goal <laughs> at 2100 was to do a live Star Wars ranked for patrons that uh, will have interactivity with the patrons as we do it live. We did one of these before. And Ken, do you feel comfortable if we get to 2100, we'll do a, a live life ranked for patrons? I, I feel so comfortable that I'm preparing it. It's going to happen. <laughs> Excellent. So we're very close. If you can get us to 2100, we would love to do that live life ranked for patrons. That's it. That's our ask. Unless uh, Ken or Jennifer have something they'd like to add. Uh, I, my, my, uh, gratitude is, uh, uh, there as well. Uh, I saw it, I saw it coming in and it means a lot. And, and like Joseph said, just to reiterate, like we understand that the, this decision we've made is not necessarily the best for everyone. And 
Uh, not like uh, everyone else, uh, everyone else's shows out there. We get it. We get it. But we, we really, uh, so we respect that. We also appreciate the, the support. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's also a trying time for the podcast industry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ads, ad revenue, how you get ads, the people who work for you trying to get your ads. All that's changed in the last couple months as well. <laughs> interesting time. For I, I was trying to think this morning of what, what in my life is stable? I'm like, oh, <laughs> almost nothing. <laughs> I'll tell you what's stable for me is my salad that I have every lunch. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I started a diet this week, so even that's not stable. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'm wearing breakfast burritos. The only thing that fulfills me every day. There you go. Uh, and Jed, I think I might have cut you off. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that ass? No, no, thank you so much, everyone. This this is really, really difficult. It uh, There have been times uh, recently where I was like, I just want to talk about Star Wars <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, there's been some meetings happening with the WGA, and I'm, I'm hoping that a resolution is on the horizon. That would be really, really great for mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get into our life adventures before we get into the main topic. And actually, I think that's one of the places I want to start with life adventures. I was out and about Friday night, uh, a birthday party, then uh, out to the comedy store, which is uh, a, a common thing. I mean, Mark Ellis hanging out there, but three separate people, independent of each other, three people. All had those sources, you know those sources. Hey, mm. I know a guy who's an executive assistant to this person to this studio. Oh, I got it. <laughs> all three of them had those sources, but all three of them said the same thing. They expect one half of the strike to end within two weeks. So is that mm. fact? No, it's not fact. <laughs> but I thought it was very interesting that the same rumor from different sources is going around and everyone's talking about it. So heck. We can hope. We can hope indeed. Uh, but yeah, that's just the start of my life adventures. But uh, uh, Jen, I want to bring you in here. Uh, I saw uh, your uh, life adventures play out on social media and it made me hungry and it made me excited <laughs> to get out to the East Coast again. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to come back. I love New York. I went to New York uh, with my family. We also met family in Cape Cod. Cape Cod was not as exciting. Um, it was delicious, but New York, the, where is it? The, oh. the energy in your social media posts on that gear shift was palpable. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it's just—it's exciting to be able to walk everywhere, and there and people walk with a purpose. I'm a fast walker, and I was like, I'm amongst my people, going places. I went went around the corner to get a couple slices of pizza. I had the most delicious food everywhere I went. The um, Natural History Museum we went to, mm. incredible, incredible immersive experiences. Uh, my daughter was fascinated by eight-year-old. I learned a lot. I was like, oh, that's what a flying squirrel looks like uh, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> It just was, it was awesome. And it was so short. Uh, although my kids had, did not like walking as much. And we're like, come on, this is public transportation. We're going to take the subway. And they're like, yeah. it smells. So, <laughs> so I was like, let's look for the rats. And that got them really excited to look for the rats in the subway. Your tourism brochure that you're putting together for the East Coast is a, <laughs> is amazing. Take the subway and count the rats. Cape Cod, it's boring, but delicious. <laughs> I'm so, it was also like, I mean, no offense to my family in Cape Cod. They're my, my in-laws and they're, they're wonderful people, but they like to just lounge by the pool. I am not a lounger oh, by the no. pool. 
No, no. And it was raining too. So that also mm. put a, a damper on things. But um, mm. I did have a, a lobster roll that was very delicious. That's good. <laughs> I'm with you. you. You put me one spot for like 10 minutes. If it's not like a bar with uh, attached to a comedy club, I, I, after about 10 minutes, we go, well, that was great. What else? <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm always on the move. So oh, it was a good time, but I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. I'm happy you got to get away before the school year starts. And uh, yeah, I want to see the uh, Jennifer Landa's uh, travel uh, advice column on how to actually <laughs> make the trip work for your kids. That's wonderful. Uh, Joseph, uh, your life adventures as we uh, get through this other journey, other center adventure. Yeah, it's been a, a weird, fun week. I was gone for 10 days in Wisconsin uh, uh, for the, the service for my father-in-law and then in Portland uh, for that film festival. So I was gone for 10 days. And then this week has been my get back to normal reality, uh, which <laughs> looked around and I'm like, wait, nothing's normal. Hmm. Um, but I've been having a lot of fun uh, submitting the short film, the one that uh, Ken was kind enough to perform in, uh, to film festivals. And it's a uh, this this short film is is solidly a, a horror film, a horror comedy film. So I've been applying to lots of horror festivals, uh, but I've also been trying to apply to places that I want to go to. So I've been looking for ones in New York because I want to eat pizza and look at flying squirrels, too. Uh, so a lot of film festivals this weekend, the kind of uh, the, the interesting um, adventure that that relates uh, not directly to the galaxy that we normally talk to, but the way that we talk about that galaxy. Mm. Uh, I've been getting caught up on some reading, which is great. And I'm reading this really interesting, uh, odd book from 1965, uh, called the James Bond report. And mm. it is written by a, a famous author named Kingsley Amos. And, uh, Ian Fleming has just uh, is he's writing this is Kingsley Amos Amos is writing this in 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 sixty five. Uh, Ian Fleming has has uh, passed on and, and he he's left the literary legacy he's going to leave with uh, Bond books. And uh, Kingsley Amos would actually go on to write a continuation novel mm -hmm. uh, of Bond. But before he did that, he wrote this uh, kind of humorous but analytical book long essay about the original James Bond novels. Uh, so I was like, oh, this, I found it at a used bookstore. I didn't know it existed. I was like, interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, thoughtful analysis. But the thing that's really funny to me and why I bring it up uh, here on uh, Force Center Presents Other Center is a lot of it is you can tell that Kingsley Amos is very thoughtful, very analytical, but he's also just annoyed as hell with bad, overly <laughs> simple takes on the James Bond novels. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll have this sort of like two pages of masterful analysis and then you can like feel his eyes roll from 1965 like but I guess people who just briefly looked at the cover of the book but apparently didn't read a single word think that it means this but here are seven passages where it clearly doesn't mean that and yet you can't throw a rock without hitting eight people who are certain that this book means this when it doesn't it's, uh, <laughs> it was nice to see that some of that sort of frustration with um it's always fine if somebody doesn't like something or has a different take, but when you deeply love something, pay a lot of attention to it. And then people who just have a very quick passing familiarity with it, throw mm. stones at it, that it can be really, really frustrating. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we always experience that. Not that uh, uh, we think we're entirely right. Or it's fine if you don't like something as always, but it's that specific thing of like, 
oh yeah, no, I watched uh, I watched that movie uh, once six years ago, and let me tell you everything about it. Like, <laughs> slightly different perspective, slightly different take. Yeah. I I am both encouraged and comforted that this has been going on for you know all of time, but also frustrated <laughs> and brokenhearted that this is going to be an ongoing battle that will never mm. never be won. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Uh, he had a specific passage that I read last night that was talking about uh, an element of the Bond novels that is criticized of like, yeah, it's a it's a convention. It's that that's what one of the things that makes them the Bond novels. Yes, it it happens every book because that's one of the things that makes them these books. <laughs> and he was saying like, I I put to you that if you go to a movie theater and you are watching a western movie. And the sheriff has a showdown with a bad person dressed all in black and you roll your eyes. Perhaps you don't like Westerns. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I need to take this book in. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was fascinating as well as some great criticism and uh, all sorts of great stuff. So that's my life adventures. Uh, but I want to hear about you uh, lounging at the comedy store, Ken. Uh, yeah, I did do that uh, Friday, uh, uh, which was fun. Uh, left a, a birthday party for a friend of the show, Ash uh, Crossan, had a, had a fun birthday party. A 1999-themed, Y2K-themed birthday party. Um, so I did wear a Brian Ward pod racing shirt to capture the <laughs> spirit, but it is weird. And it is, I was certainly not the oldest one there. A lot of people in my age group, our age group there. Uh, but it's weird to, uh, have a, uh, old timey theme party that you experienced firsthand. <laughs> yeah, I remember this night. Me and six police officers were under a parking structure waiting for the world to end. Uh, while you're listening to Smash Mouth. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, many white claws uh, were had. Uh, but before that, the, the day before, I, I had a uh, one of my themes for the last week of my life, uh, both of personal and professional, has been kind of this show up for the people that show up for you. And some of that has to do with Force Center and Other Center. Uh, as, as um, you know, we understand again, some of the numbers were dipping. We understand why. So, hey, we've got to make, we can't concentrate on that too much. It's uh, human nature to look at the negative space. But let's make sure we're, uh, you know, talking to the people who are here, who have shown up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's big in comedy. If you have a night where you have six people uh, in a room that's built for 100, <laughs> you've got to do that. Uh, you got to, uh, and, and, and on the personal level as well. And it made for a great podcast last week on my Blathering podcast, right? And it, I think we all three know when you like, you say something on a show and you're like, that was good. I, I sounded insightful and inspiring. And then it hits you in real life harder than you intended. And that's what happened to me last Thursday. I, every once in a while, go teach uh, podcasting classes, which really it's called Find Your Voice. It's about creativity and and trying to remove uh, the excuses or the reasons why you feel you can't do your own show. And it's kind of the focus on how I teach things uh, as well as some nuts and bolts stuff. And I do it at uh, LA County and Thousand Oaks libraries uh, through a friend of the show uh, and uh, one of our listeners, uh, Chris Kiefer and his wife, Karina. And so I went up to the Thousand Oaks library, which I'd never been to it. I'd only done virtual classes before. And it's a beautiful facility, like giant, immaculate, wonderful, helpful staff. And they, they, my name is on the, 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 the electronic banner, you know, the digital banner when you walk in, my name and lights are like, ah, oh, it's great. And they walk me over to the community center, have all my gear with me. And, um, two people showed up <laughs> in a room oh, no. with chairs for 70, you know? And, I had that moment where it's like, well, this is it. This is what 
this is what you've been telling people. And uh, it was a little bit of a, you know, your ego takes a bruising and or I guess it's not my name. It's just the concept of podcasting. People don't want to learn. Okay. But I ended up having a great hour with the two people that showed up. I even just pulled mm. them up on the stage and I said, let's sit down and talk. And I thought it was even better than any uh, sold out class could have been because we actually had great discussions. Uh, I've been battling a skunk in my backyard and one of the guys is retiring from the pest control industry and wants to do a series of podcasts where he teaches people to appreciate the animals and not just try to destroy them or remove them. We talked about skunks. We talked oh, about, wow. about it. And they left, uh, both of them left uh, prepared to start their podcast. And yeah. I felt, uh, you know, it, it was one of those, it, dogs were barking. It was great. Um, <laughs> I just felt, you know, this isn't a pat on my own back, but I just felt like, okay, that was a test where you're saying something like some kind of dime store philosopher, but now you actually got to live it. And I learned a valuable lesson for myself there, right? Like in action, the, the, the faith in action, so to speak. Uh, so that, that was a big, big thing for me. Show up for the people that show up for you. And I, I think that's uh a good lesson to learn. And it was a fun adventure. Wow. That's yeah, beautiful. That, yeah. That's lovely. And, and I totally understand the, you know, you, we all prepare for things in our mind and I'm sure you were preparing for like, how do I communicate to a group of people, which yeah. is mm -hmm. different than communicating to two people. And there's the, there's the little bit of the ego bruise and, mm -hmm. and there's the gear shift, but man, I've, I've had some lovely experiences with uh, audiences that are much smaller yeah. than you expect. It can mm -hmm. be really a gift when it just becomes more intimate. Yeah, it, it's definitely a challenge, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So that's uh, our life adventures. That's what's going on. And now we're going to get into our main topic. Joseph, you're going to slide on in here as we discuss the gift and the curse of nostalgia. Yeah, that's right. Nostalgia. We've talked about it a, a lot in the context of the galaxy uh, far, far away. And to some extent, we've discussed it in other pop culture. Uh, and I think the fact that it's kind of can be a, a buzzword right now of, of something that uh, mm. maybe uh, audiences are tiring of and yet financially, maybe not in, in all that. Mm. Uh, but I want to talk about it today. We'll, we'll touch on pop culture a little bit later, but I want to talk about it today in the larger context of what nostalgia means uh, in terms of our own personal lives and in terms of the, the society and the culture we live in. So I uh, want to start with some definitions. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines nostalgia as a wistful or excessively sentimental yearning for return to or of some past period or irrecoverable condition. Uh, Merriam-Webster also adds the state of being homesick. Uh, Dictionary.com says something done or presented in order to evoke feelings of nostalgia. So we know what the old dictionary says, but I want to know what Ken and Jennifer say. So uh, Ken, I want to start with you. What does nostalgia mean to you and how would you define it? I look at it two different ways. And your title is 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 very accurate. The, the gift of the heart. <laughs> uh, I think for me, the, the positive side of it is I, I see nostalgia as looking back and uh, feeling the foundations of, of the things and the events and the people that, that made you. I think it's a celebration of that. I think there's a reason it feels good. It feels like home. Uh, and therefore, I actually embrace a lot of it. Uh, oh, man, I used to have that. Or do you remember when? That's a good feeling. That's a little endorphin hit. It's a, a reminder of where you came from. And also, I always say this. It's kind of just fun. All right? <laughs> like, lay off, people. It's fun. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I went to eBay and bought that mask toy. You know why? Because it's fun. And it reminded me of fourth grade. Uh, but at mm. the same time, 
Uh, it can also be absolutely a, a, a prison. It, it can be a bit of a crutch, maybe creatively. I think that's what some people feel. I don't always agree with that. I think we'll get into when that happens or what you got to do to analyze what's happening. Uh, but for me, uh, I am I am susceptible to the uh, prison side of it a lot, where it can be mm. you only look back and you stay there. And that's kind of the two sides of that nostalgia word. It, it, it's the, the cereal you used to have and then the emotional state that you were in that you didn't move from with that cereal. Mm. <laughs> right, right. That takes you back to – that cereal brings me back to being a child. And mm-hmm. maybe I haven't moved on some, from yeah. some of the perspectives I had when I was a child. But the cereal's fun. Uh, how about you, Jennifer? Do you think of it as a, uh, a warm, fun prison? Or what does nostalgia mean to you? <laughs> Yes, I do. Uh, It's interesting because the definition, the Merriam-Webster definition, almost has a a negative connotation to it. Yeah. You know, and and I think that there right now it does kind of feel like there is a lot of negative connotation around nostalgia and what that means. And uh, I get a lot where it's like, oh, you're still into to that thing that I was in as Mm -hmm. a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. There's this negative, like we're supposed to be like certain things when we reach a certain age. Mm. What I love about nostalgia is for me, it's a hundred percent pop. Well, not hundred percent, 80% positive. And (laughs) it means comfort. It means reconnecting with the past, but also bringing it to the present and being able to experience it again. That's Mm. part of the fun, whether it's, you know, me and my toys or my movies, watching it again and feeling like, oh, it's so cozy, or me getting to introduce it to my family, my kids, which kind of takes on a new life. And that to me is, it's about sustainability and recycling, reusing, right? It's that that thing. It's like, just because it's in the past doesn't mean that we should discard it. There's value Mm. in that. What can we, what can we learn from that? And so I, I love nostalgia, but I don't want to live in the past, which like, like Ken, I, I sometimes find myself looking back a little bit too much. Mm. I love the way you're describing it as almost um, uh, uh, recycling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because something's old is is doesn't mean it's useless or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that explains a lot of the things that I loved growing up, and then you know, it, it really made a lot to me. I think that's why I went to the music of like Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. when I was in in college, uh, because there was a lot about that time period that I knew was not great. But mm-hmm. and everyone around me wanted to just throw it all away and like, but mm. but there were artists then, and what did they say? And that idea of uh, looking back at the past in that way is really powerful. I agree with you that the Merriam-Webster uh, definition almost makes me want to feel like uh, uh, what is the slightly gentler word for nostalgia? Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if nostalgia is excessively sentimental yearning, but but I do think that is a fair definition because I think that's the complexity of this word that the gift and the curse is is built in. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way I think of it is is close to to what Ken's uh, definition was. But like for me, it's like a it, it is warm and glowing, but it is a fog. It's foggy mm-hmm. like all memories. And it's foggy in that like I'm enveloped in something cozy and comfortable, but it's also not entirely clear. A- mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like a warm, glowing fog that is that is so wonderful. It, it, it hurts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we'll we'll talk about it. I think I, I relate to the excessively sentimental yearning because there are moments and times and things that I'm so nostalgic for that it, it hurts, that I almost don't want to think about them. It's so wonderful, but the longing to feel exactly that, that can't ever be felt again, 
is hmm. is really really powerful to me. Hmm. Lots of good things about nostalgia and lots of things that I love, but I think for me that what nostalgia means to me partially is the pull to experience something you can never quite experience again because it's a memory that was made partially by the time it happened in. Mm. Um, and I, I agree with you, Jennifer, on the positive side. We'll talk more about it. I love focusing it on, hey, I love this thing from my past and I get this warm, cozy feeling from it, but I'm recycling it, renewing it. I'm bringing it into the modern and sharing it with my family that you didn't have when you had this initial memory. And that's making it new again. Um, mm -hmm. But to me, there's a part of nostalgia that's like, part of what I'm longing for is something that I can't return to. I can rewatch this old movie with new friends, but it will never be 1984 again, you know? Mm -hmm. but, right. Yeah. So you guys are both, uh, I'm sorry, Ken, go ahead. Did you have something? No, I, and, they'll, and, and, they'll, and those in the theater with you will let you know. <laughs> right. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw this film, it was a lot, lot more shuddering noises and nobody on glowing devices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um, right. So, in the context of of everyday life, not not pop culture, uh, we are already touching on this. But Ken, what is good or healthy about nostalgia to you? If I may, uh, I, I'm going to go back to something uh, for center. Other center listeners know that if I'm if I'm doing something in my regular life, it kind of filters into my uh, thoughts for about six episodes of Four Center until I'm on <laughs> something else. <laughs> deep, deep into the Ken Burns documentary world, and 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 just listening to his interviews, and I think he's just one of the our most elegant speakers and an interesting character. And he has this thing that I'd already posted on my Instagram page related to a, uh, a movie out there based on a famous toy line. Uh, and he said mm. this, and I, the part of it I think applies to this, uh, of what is good or healthy about nostalgia. He says, we are rightly suspicious of sentimentality and nostalgia. It's an enemy of good history and almost a good anything. And yet we resort, therefore, to a safer kind of logical, rational existence. And that, for the most part, gets us all through our days. But we know the things that really animate our concerns and what our art tells us, our music tells us, our literature tells us, and the paintings, the sculpture, and dance tells us that there is a kind of a higher emotional intelligence. And I think that's what we yearn for. And that's what we ought to tilt towards. And I think for me that breaking that down is because there is a, a rightful suspicion. Uh, you know, I always say like the, we, we have a lot of people in my life have looked back at the 1950s with a wonderful sense of warm nostalgia. Let's go back to that and make everything great again. And I, I, I think if you actually look at that, that nostalgia is an enemy of, of uh, reality and, and the truth. Uh, but I think, uh, so we put walls up, I think, to some of this stuff and, and to what you're talking about being in the, in, the, in the theater, Joseph, and watching something. And yeah, it's not 1984 again. And so the walls go up and you don't allow yourself to connect to some of the emotions in there. But the emotions are what makes it all valuable. The experiences, the thoughts, those are the things we truly yearn for. And I think that's what's good and healthy about nostalgia. It is a connection to those things that you experienced, yes, back in a time that will never be again. But it's to the emotions that are still there, the emotions that were there without the walls up. Uh, you were experiencing things in a more pure fashion. And that's what moves us. That's what makes our heart beat. And I think uh, finding the balance and finding the good, healthy way to approach it, though, um, though needed, I, I, I think if we we're allow ourselves to connect to that sentimentality, uh, I, I think you're allowing the emotions to flow instead of having them run into a brick wall of logic and cold distance. And that's mm. where I find the, the good and healthy part of nostalgia. So you you feel like the idea of nostalgia, really uh, most nostalgia going back to childhood or early adulthood when you were a little bit more open, imaginative, less critical. 
Yeah, I think that's part of it. Or and and, and that will lead you forward with, with pathways. And, and and the context of that quote is an interviewer had asked him about his his you know he says they're they're docu they're documentaries, but really he's a filmmaker and he's 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 he always strives to get the facts right, but he presents them in a way that pulls on your heartstrings. It leaves you crying. The the Ken Burns baseball talk leaves you crying, whether you're a baseball fan or not, because it's a human story. It's an American story and, and it goes beyond the topic. And that was his kind of answer. Um, mm. Yeah, I could do dry dates and dry facts. Yes, I could do that. It wouldn't connect because we want something to connect to. And I think we connected to things easier back then for obvious reasons. You know, you didn't have to, you know, balance a checkbook. Hey, they're, I'm nostalgic <laughs> checkbooks. Uh, you were just watching a cartoon on a Saturday morning. So, of course, you're going to be op more open to it. But I think it's a good reminder for me. And it's a, a general sweep to the idea. But that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, I think that's powerful because I think often we like things uh, when when we're kids and then, you know, for, for pop culture stuff, a book or a movie we see again when we're adult and uh, we have all these holes we would poke in it. But I think there is a power in just accepting when you're young, you can just like that's the story and you engage with the story. The thing that we end up talking about a lot of instead of mm -hmm. trying to sit there in your seat and rewrite it, you just let it wash over you. And I think that's yeah. that's a great power of nostalgia. Yeah, can be. Uh, Jen, how about you? Um, in terms of what is good and healthy about nostalgia, yeah. I think of it like going back. It's like uh, making peace with the past. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things I have such an idealized memory of something and then I go back there and like whether it's a restaurant or a, a location or even a scent and I'm like, oh, that's not the way that I remembered it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that can be actually helpful. Cause it's like, Oh, I've been comparing everything to that standard and in actuality is not that great. Mm. Uh, it's okay. So I think that that's, that's something that's helpful for me. And I, I also like to look at things in the past and, and be nostalgic to inspire something new now. Mm. Um, I think that that's really important. It's an important way to learn. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like as long as you're living in the present and you're, and you're taking something from the past and kind of making it new and not dwelling on it, then it's, then it's overall, it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. To, for, for yourself, do you, do you, you're talking about times where you encountered, um, a smell that was not as good as you remembered. <laughs> um, but are there times where you encounter nostalgia where it, it, it is, an overwhelmingly positive experience of it, it. Something is as wonderful as you remember. Yeah. I mean, tr without going into like pop culture uh, specifically. So maybe it's like a, a restaurant, like my mom still lives in the same house that I grew up in, in the same neighborhood. Mm. So I revisit, uh, I'm making peace with the past a lot. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of wonderful memories and I have a lot of painful memories. Um, and I certainly do not want to go back to the eighties, uh, and that time period because I've, I've experienced a lot of prejudice, uh, and racism and it was really freaking hard. And now I'm so grateful. There's so much more diversity in that area, specifically where I grew up. Um, but there are so many like restaurants and I'm like, oh, this is just as delicious. And it's, it's so comforting to know that it's still there, uh, mm. those places. Um, quite frankly, D Disneyland, like that to me is like, oh, I, I spent so many weekends going to Disneyland. And it's like that is a nostalgic thing that still has meaning in the present for me. It's like mm -hmm. a wonderful bridge between those two lives, really. Um, 
So yeah, that's there's a lot of wonderful things in my hometown. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I've been going back to the house that I largely uh, grew up in uh, a lot because of some some changes in family dynamics. And that's that's a really interesting journey to visit a place that's mm-hmm. like seeped in memories, <laughs> and uh, you know how much you allow yourself to get really angry about the bad ones versus sink into the good ones, and mm. how you how you find that balance is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The way we. Uh, look at the past and choose to look at it, uh, yeah. which sounds like you are really wrestling with the totality of your experiences when you visit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, yeah, I just went yesterday and I was like, Oh, so a lot of these places have closed. I mean, there's mm. something, well, we'll get into the bad, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get into yes. Bad. Oh yeah. We'll the, just, the gloves will come off when we get into the bad. Uh, yeah. For me, the, the good things are, um, on a real personal level, when I'm feeling nostalgic about a period of time in my life, uh, I think it has been a guide to when I, when I dig past uh, the the specifics to what is the feeling that I'm longing for, mm-hmm. um, that it's been a reminder of, well, you're obsessing on that moment in your life right now because that feeling or that goal or that part of yourself is maybe missing from your life now. So in a way, a nostalgia has been like a a nice warning bell for me sometimes Mm. of if I'm focusing on this moment, I'm probably missing hanging out with friends more, or I'm missing being is engaged creatively or I'm missing family or a lot of, a lot of the things I'm nostalgic for will always um, come down to, I have the illusion that I had more freedom then and I had more time. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. always what I'm personally nostalgic for is "Ah, remember when I could just do things. Um, which I'm sure is a is a common thing. Uh, I also think nostalgia can be really, really positive when it builds community, when when it's a mm-hmm. group thing. And we're all talking about, yeah, you can't dwell in it. Uh, but but things like, uh, you know, a, a group nostalgia of people all remembering a lost technology. You know, mm. um, I posted a joke a little while ago about uh, blowing into a Nintendo cartridge for the NES. Mm. Uh, which uh, apparently science all says everybody's, you know, older sibling told them that's how to fix a cartridge that wasn't working. We all believed it. Who knows if it worked? We probably were ruining our cartridges by spitting on them. I don't know, but it's one of those group memories of that. uh, Ken, as you say, that, that shared Mm -hmm. uh, specific journey of, we all heard that somewhere. We're all alone in our homes, blowing in Nintendo cartridges. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes up in a, group of people the same age you know all laugh about it and remember it and think about it i think that is a, a common thing you know because mm-hmm. it, when it when it doesn't tip into yeah and that's why everything should still be a cartridge and we should be blowing on everything i should be able to fix my car by blowing on like as long as it doesn't tip into anger and that's the way things always should be there's mm-hmm. to me there's a beauty in in community nostalgia because you're taking the time to share what what shaped you and, and what mm-hmm. shaped you not just as an individual, but as a culture. Mm. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I think it becomes powerful. And we keep joking, but like those, the, those discord conversations about our favorite video games and comfort foods are still going because a lot of it has to do with, Oh my God, did you experience that too? And whether it's something as big as golden eye or, you know, a more specific game like SimCity 2000, like you, you feel it, you feel that connective thread. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a thing that you're both saying that I want to follow up on, and this isn't this isn't a written question. I'm I'm going off. I'm going <laughs> off the rundown. Um, 
there is a lot of times in pop culture stories or just even in conversations in real life, there can be this sentiment that there's still power in the old ways. Um, yeah. You know, that's something my, my dad will say about the, when he figures out how to, how to literally mechanically fix something on a car. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can still do it the old way. Um, it, it pops up a lot in various, in various stories. How do you feel about that, that idea or that sort of rush of emotion when you realize that something that is maybe lost to the past is still has value in the present. Is that something where you feel like there's a risk of, of rejecting the present or do you do you, when, when there's one of those moments in like a movie or TV show mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. a character is like, there's power in the old ways and they do it the old fashioned way and they win. Is that a fist pumping moment for you, Jen? No, I bristle at that. Because <laughs> it goes, it usually follows by what what we'll talk about with the with the bad and the dangerous uh, side of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, one of the things that I actually feel, what I found myself saying is like, with all of these streaming platforms and we're paying and, you know, the prices are increasing, you know, 13 15 $20. And I'm just like, for what, like, basically, I'm paying for cable again, is what it's mm-hmm. going to come down to. Like, the whole idea of, oh, you're cutting the cord. No, we're not cutting the cord. Now I'm almost going to be paying more. Like, I just get so frustrated at, at, at that. And I am nostalgic about the time where things were more communal like Mm -hmm. you know we would all watch well i didn't watch friends but like people watched friends (laughs) (laughs) and i heard about it and i heard about it i watched seinfeld you know so there was like this communal (laughs) aspect that we could talk about like uh, saturday morning cartoons right there was a Mm -hmm. time slot that we all shared and i wonder like for my daughter my eight-year-old or my three-year-old four-year-old how is that gonna be because like the, the kids, yeah, okay, they're into Minecraft, Minecraft and Roblox and stuff like that. But like in terms of like TV shows, it's all over the place. It really, you could, I don't know if they're going to have the same kind of shared nostalgia that we had. So that's where I do kind of get in my, well, back in my day, <laughs> but that's usually the only time I, I dip into that. Yeah. 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 And I think I remember having a conversation at a convention about this, uh, exactly this. They like, we were forced to watch the same of three channels, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before the explosion of cable, or we all saw the same commercials. So we know that, but what are younger kids going to know? And I, to me, it's, it is like, it's, it's social media stuff. It's meme stuff. It's, you mm-hmm. know, you remember, you know, even people 10 years younger than us uh, 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 in general always talk about you remember instant messaging you remember your away message and like it's almost less the the content and the time and more the structure of the communication that Mm, there's the shared nostalgia for right yeah it's fascinating to me ken how do you feel about the the power in the old ways is that a a red alert to you a red flag or is or do you get some (laughs) fist pump and joy out of that you know what It, it it's um Going here, this made me think of it here. Uh, this podcast uh, class I was teaching one, one of the uh, two people was from West Ghana, um, South Africa, out there, right? Uh, and, and she had a, a wonderful accent. And, and, and the guy in the class uh, sitting was like, "Hey, can I ask you where that's from?" And she's like, "Yeah, absolutely." I think he goes, I, "I'm, I'm." He's an older white guy. And he goes, "I'm sorry. I maybe that. I, I'm sure you get that question a lot, and you don't. And, 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 and I don't want to cause a problem." She goes, "It's." It's that's never the problem. It's the second question that's usually the problem, um, and she she mentioned that beautifully. That that's what I I think of with what you're talking about and asking about Joseph. Of yeah, sometimes uh, 
getting the old monkey wrench and uh, cranking up the engine is going to get the job done. Uh, <laughs> but then if you follow that up with that's how it should stay, or that's the only mm. way, or I am right. right about this, that's where some of the, the, the problems come in. I, I think it's right to um, ask what will the future be for your uh, uh, kids nostalgia, Jen, but they'll find it. And, and as mm-hmm. they, you know, they'll find their own, they'll have their own nostalgia. That will be their journey. I always talk about uh, this in terms of uh, the pop culture stuff we love. Like, I, I want to defend your right to love that space franchise in your way, not my way. Mm-hmm. We can mm. together. Uh, and I think that's dangerous. Like the shared stuff. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Friday morning at school and high school was nothing but sharing our favorite jokes from Seinfeld the night before, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and even even later later on, I'm a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And my friend uh, Joe and I, Joe Ruggiero, has been on the show before. We the, the day after, we would go to Facebook and quote the show to each other. Right, the show that's been on now seasons. So it's wow. changed. So last week I was like, hey, man, I, did you finish? I love season 16. And I started trying to send, send some quotes to him. And he goes, oh, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, you know, he also, he and his wife have their first child. So I understand that. But like, even even then that's changed, right? Mm. In, in 10 years where he and I would have to watch the show on Thursday night at 10 p.m. Wow. Right. Now, wow. No, we don't have to. You, you can binge it. You can watch it later. There's eight episodes on Hulu. I'll get to it type of thing. And that's the way it is and will be and should be or whatever you want to look at. But I, I remember kind of my, my uh, shoulders kind of sunk a little bit. I was like, oh, we, we don't mm. share our quotes anymore. <laughs> like we'll, we'll share them later. So it's something new. And I think, uh, I think that's where it is. I, I get what your, your dad's feeling, right? My dad feels that too. And I have that as well too. And, and those moments where we all run into the uh, uh, bureaucracy of the future <laughs> where you're mm. not talking to a human or not the, all those kind of things that can turn into hacky bits if you want to go on stage with them. Um, I, I, so I'm somewhere in the middle as, as I think I, I, I am on this entire conversation of, of the good and the bad. I, I yeah. Think okay. To know how to do that thing in the past, but that's not where it is now. Yeah. This is, this is extremely helpful to me to, to consider some of where some of my perspectives come from. I think mm. I'm realizing that I grew up around a lot of people who were, if it's not modern, it's bad. I, I think I, that got in pretty deep with like mm. kids at school saying like, you know, mm. um, like I remember wrath of Khan Star Trek comes out and people didn't want to see, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture. Cause that was an old movie from like three years ago. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. you know, that I like, Oh, I'm not gonna listen to that music. It's ancient. It came out last year that really, uh, despising of, we want to, we want to be hip. We want to be in the moment. We want to be now. Um, you're going to have a, a good friend speaking of video games who mm-hmm. got in, really got, Grew up in the 80s in the arcade and then got it really got into video games around 2003, 2004. And I was like, hey, man, you got to play Goldeneye. And I showed it to him. He's like, they all have monkey faces. It looks like Picasso <laughs> drew a monkey. I'm not going to play James Bond and look like Picasso yeah. drew a monkey. And like, and I, so I think for me, I've really internalized this um, deep acceptance that the past is not perfect. Mm-hmm. But being so surrounded by people who are ready to throw it all away mm-hmm. that I think I've internalized this like, but let's not throw it all away. What was of value back there? Whereas, Jen, I totally agree with you. And what you're describing is a lot of times power in the old ways is the is the door to 
<laughs> everything should be exactly as it was when I was 12. Right. Um, which, which we'll get into. So mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm coming from or why I sometimes find that sort of there's a, there's something fist pumping in, in the power in the old ways. Um, mm. Other thing, and we, we can move on, is that, you know, I, I so want the world to embrace change because change is natural and, and change is good. But then along with that, as a society, we do make choices on our changes. Mm-hmm. And we have had a steady march of dehumanization and mechanization. And I think I, I have a, 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 an instinct to want us to find ways to uh, be flowing in organic mm-hmm. and be able to connect with one another and be mindful of the choices that we make as a society of what all are we throwing away that mm. might be something without rejecting the new what is something of the old we want to hang on to? And for me, one of those things is finding the ways to make sure we don't just entirely mechanize our lives. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm not ready to leave this yet, Joseph, actually. Uh, <laughs> 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 I also want to be clear. I'm really with you. And I even have a, a stand-up uh, couple bits of running around this idea of, of I'm all for change. Uh, it's more, more now than ever. And I'm a stubborn yeah. cuss. I'm all about change. I'm all about looking forward. But there, there, there is an arrogance of youth that that you're in the power position, you're in the pole position, you are the leaders, you are the ones making the, the history now that you have to deal with, so it's your right to do it. But there can sometimes be, and it's a general sweep through it, there can be an attitude behind it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of TikTok uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is I always hear the videos in the background at my house, and it's people going, guys, do you have parents? Oh my God, parents do. And I'm like, yeah. We all do, and we all do, and every generation. And 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 and, and there's so many times where God bless them. Like a, a, I'll, I'll hear someone or talk to someone who's on their journey at 25 or 32, and we've already been there. My journey's going on, and it's, and it's I've got my own obstacles and new things to learn. But yes, no, I I understand that. I went through that. Do you want to hear how I went through it? No. Okay. Then, you know, maybe I got to learn to shut up. But, uh, I, I think there's there that could be what you're talking about, the victory of the old. I, I am uh, at, the, at the dawn of the pandemic. That was the first time I really started to use the instant uh, shopper kind of app stuff, right? God mm-hmm. bless those uh, frontline workers who, who kept us fed during a, a very tough time because they had to work. Um, I <laughs> There's still times where you still use it a lot of times. And uh uh, there's like one item that we can never get. The only way we can get it is if I go to the damn store myself and find it on the shelf. And that's a victory. <laughs> that is an nostalgic <laughs> victory for getting in your car, going to the store, going to the aisle and going, here it is. I got the chili oil. So uh, I'm with you on that. It, it does work both ways. The generational exchange truly needs to be an exchange. Yeah. And and I think I'm also feeling that sort of mechanization with, uh, you know, it's been documented that Google is getting worse because it just it wants to, you know, have promoted things uh, up front. So like um, I, I taught myself Premiere Pro to edit this video, um, uh, the edit this video the, to make the short film. And it was really hard to Google anything with nuance because if you use the two keywords, it's just 80 dudes telling you the most obvious thing that relates to that keyword. (laughs) And you just, I just want to like reach in to society and, and shake it and go, can we communicate with any nuance? I think that's the thing about mechanization is everything by necessity starts to become very binary, very keyword. Mm. And you can't have these conversations are like, Yes, I have this specific problem that is nuanced, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get off my, uh, my <laughs> old man soapbox before I fall and hurt my hip and move on. 
<laughs> to the negative. Uh, <laughs> so in the context of everyday life, again, uh, not necessarily pop culture, uh, I, I think we're all probably swimming in the, in the same waters. But Jen, for you, what is bad or dangerous about nostalgia? Well, now I'm only seeing the positive after that part of the conversation. I'm like, hey, I think I think the reason why it, when that last thing is, that is positive is that there was a, right now it's all about immediacy, right? Like when I'm going to the to the store, like to buy a to buy clothes, like I can try it on, I can see if it fits. Whereas, like on my Instagram, unfortunately, I f- I follow some quote unquote influencers who are like, you need to get this new top because this is now in season, and then I buy the top because it's, I click the link here, and then I get it, and I'm like, this is terrible. So I have to go to the store and return it. Anyways, the bad <laughs> about nostalgia is, I think, what we were talking about, which is like things things in my day were better. And it's like, well, hold on. When was your day? And you have to look at who you are as a person. Because when someone says that the 1950s or 60s was a wonderful time, I'm like, "Mm." or someone (laughs) like me and people of color was not, it was not. I mean, even as like the mid seventies, like my parents uh, who are both Mexican American and they moved into an predominantly white neighborhood their house was vandalized right so much so that they had to move that was like 1976 Mm -hmm. 70 Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so it was not well it is long ago now but like it it uh going back to this time where oh things were much better it's like no no i'm happy to be where we are and that people are more aware of these issues and more sensitive um and so you know, that's, that's to me is the danger about nostalgia. And you see that a lot in politics, you know, well, I I won't, I don't know how far we want to go into that. No, I mean, I think, I think we're all going toward, toward the same thing of that, um, that there's the personal wrestling with what's bad about nostalgia, but uh, the larger cultural, which I think you're getting into is that, that weaponization of the half truth or lie that things are better in the past, right? Right, right. Going yeah. back to when America was great again. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm, right. Let's mm-hmm. let's examine that. So yeah, yeah, that to me is a danger of nostalgia. Yeah, and, and to me that like it was explicitly not great uh for people who experienced you know, even more racism or sexism or mm-hmm. you know. And then that real question of was it actually great or were you just a child? Mm-hmm. Which I think uh, applies mm-hmm. to us both culturally and individually as people of that, that great big question of was it great <laughs> or did you just not know anything but uh, marshmallows in your cereal and Saturday morning cartoons? Because, right. yeah, because that's not what uh, a 40 year old experienced that year. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe now. Uh, so, yeah, Jen, please continue anything else you, you want to examine about what is bad or dangerous about nostalgia. No, no, I think I I think that's it. If it, if it can just become a trap and it can become like a, a a thing, a phrase, right? That people use to to bait new people into what they believe. Like, don't mm-hmm. you remember? This was great. There was the milkman. There was you know this. There was that. It's like mm, okay, no, this it, it's. I think you're right about these people were children and they had this maybe the safety of of their home and their parents and they have all these wonderful memories of that time so that they were not aware of what was happening in the larger society 
Yeah, yeah, just the yeah the 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 peace and the comfort and the possibility of youth. Ken, how do you how do you take uh, in what is bad or dangerous about nostalgia? Yeah, I'll I'll turn it surely to a, to a, a, the personal side of it, but I want to echo what you're both saying here and and stuff we've talked about uh, I think before here on the channel, especially in the other center era of the show. Uh, yeah, when it's weaponized, when it's covered up, or it's just not fully understand uh, understood, I should say. I, I've been having discussions with my my, my parents specifically my mom about looking at the, the the true big picture that maybe you didn't experience that I don't think you personally are trying to hide any fact mm. of the history of that time. It's just, it's something you've you've believed. It's something you accepted and maybe it was good for you or it wasn't good. My, my mom had a lot of struggles uh, as, as a tremendously lower uh, income kind of family, nine stepfathers, really bad childhood. She's very sober about what happened to her and everything, but she still has kind of this great society type of view on a lot of the stuff there. And it's not malicious. It's just her experience yeah. that I think she hasn't um, fully looked at, you know, looked at the big picture. So I think that's part of the danger. And, and, and we could go definitely towards the politics of it all, but I'll, I'll just quickly swing through it on, in terms of, of one of my favorite sports, baseball. I grew up the entire, uh, my entire childhood being a baseball fan from about fourth grade on um, and heard all the time. Oh, you, you the golden age of baseball was the 1950s. Oh, when it wasn't, a, hmm. when it was a game, uh, everyone just did it for love. That's not true at all. It was mostly <laughs> until the late fifties focused on the North, uh, Northeast. Only the Northeast got to experience really the games in person. Uh, the game itself was bad plotting, uh, very boring to watch. Uh, only a couple teams would succeed every year. And I'm a Yankee fan. This is the era in which we were the golden team of the sport. Uh, the game was segregated, uh, uh, or, or, or the segregation lines were broken, I should say, up in, in, in 47 with Jackie Robinson, but and, and more, Don Newcomb, Roy Campanella, Elston Howard eventually with the Yankees, uh, and Larry Doby, all these other wonderful uh, players. But the, the 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 segregation was still prevalent in the game. Racism was still prevalent in the game. So it wasn't fixed in 1947, uh, and and you don't see all that stuff. And 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 then the owners had all the power. This this myth that baseball at one point was the game is a lie. The moment baseball became professional, in like the 1860s, labor problems started the next morning. Uh, <laughs> and you're just not seeing that. You don't want to engage with it. And I, I so I, I slowly started to untangle that um, years ago before I went through other changes in my life uh, where it was just like, no, that's a lie. <laughs> there's some great. Mm. I love Mickey, man. I'm a Yankee fan. Yeah. Wonderful. But but there's a lot of good things in there and let's celebrate those good things. But it ain't perfect. And ain't the, it ain't the golden age. And I think that's the way I look at it in, in the big picture. Um, and that, that stuff actually makes it. Mm-hmm. more interesting and more valuable to not turn away from the past to look at like okay yeah. if there were if there were labor things the first day after this became a corporation what can we actually learn from that we're mm-hmm. still having these same debates today what is what is universal through time like like reading that book from 1965 like yeah. <laughs> this guy this guy was annoyed with bad hot takes about James Bond in 1965 yeah. I, I, this I, is I, something that's universal what i'm experiencing now isn't unique so what can i learn from it uh, yeah, I, I really think is I really think I was having a discussion with our, our pal Thad Williams about uh, social issues and, and issues of of uh, race and gender expression, all those kind of things. The, the the buzz the buzz issues of the day, which are timeless. He he was he just had this great thing. He goes, you know, if you're having those discussions with your parents and everything, remove the specific thing and just talk about it about power versus the powerless, because that's yep. all it's been ever forever. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. stories just keep repeating. 
Uh, and the words keep repeating. Uh, the, the, the comedians uh, out there who are, who are uh, you can't say anything in this woke culture. They've been saying that since the dawn of comedy. Because there's yep. always a group of people who refuse to change or refuse to take responsibility for their own words in that business and others. But I see it still every time. I love comedy. It's a great art. But I see it all the time. I saw. I just discovered a new friend, a new old friend of mine I hadn't seen in 10 years do comedy. Oh, what's he doing on Instagram? He's got a lot of followers. Oh, I see why. He's peddling the old same old hacky, uh, oh, everyone's got pronouns now bits, right? And, and, and you can't say anything. And that's been played out since uh, the dawn of comedy. And it, mm-hmm. same stories over and over. Nostalgia, that is what the danger is in terms of the big, uh, bigger issue, the societal issues. It, it can really be wallpaper over those uh, those holes in those walls. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was, in terms of the large uh, sort of political part of it, the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, the nostalgia is often just inaccurate. Maybe you had a great a childhood from your childhood yeah. perspective in, yeah. in 1955. But the idea that there was no crime, everybody got along, politics were easy. That stuff is just a lie. It's just not true. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, you dig into the history, maybe you experienced it differently, or maybe your family was in a pocket where you weren't affected by it. And so your actual personal memories are golden and beautiful. That's fine. But the actual perception of the time is it, we wrestled with all these problems in, in different ways. Um, I was, I was lucky to, to, in multiple classes in high school and college to kind of learn about this old bit that, uh, you know, controlling people want to use power and it's, it's a pyramid. There's a leader, there's an in-group and there's an other. And the other is trying to take things from the in-group and Mm. only through the power of the leader. And and that leader only has power if the in-group gives it to them, Mm -hmm. uh, only, only through this leader can be can the in group be be saved from the scary other, and especially um, now. But it's happened throughout time. This is what Hitler did in World War II: is there was a golden past that was taken from you by the other, right? right. And I think it, it, it's not just the 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 lie; it's the, the how powerfully it can be weaponized into this system of. The in-group gives the power to the leader and we must blame and hate the other for something they did not do. One of the modern things that's been on my mind a, a lot for the uh, the cultural is I've, I've run into in some otherwise pleasant conversations the the uh, the new C word <laughs> of canceled. And it's oh. always like that. Like, of course, and of course, this person was canceled. And then I always have to like tap dance around it because I think that that word is is such a, a problem because it can mean everything from oh, this person was canceled. Do you mean they were arrested and convicted of an actual crime <laughs> or do you mean they said something dumb and people decided not to buy their book? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what are we talking about when we say say canceled? But I was thinking about it in the context, Ken, like you examining baseball of, you know, uh, I absolutely adore Frank Sinatra. And it's a big part of his story that he uh, has massive success in the 1940s and then has a huge public fall and then and then has a big comeback in the early 50s. And a part of his big fall is. Uh, especially while World War II was running around and, and you know, the Bobby Soxers were, were swooning into his concert. He was he was the boy at home um, and, and kind of wholesome. And there are photos of him and, and his wife and his kid and his wife made personally handmade all of his ties for him. And <laughs> there was this wholesome image. 
And he was a Hollywood guy like a lot of Hollywood guys back then. And then it became public that he had an affair with Ava Gardner and he left mm-hmm. his wife mm-hmm. and he had a music critic he hated and he punched him out in a bar <laughs> and got dragged into trial for it. Uh, and then you know what happened? They canceled Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> the public was like, we don't like that. We, you're not supporting the values we thought you did. You're done. And there were other things with the music industry and the film industry and blah, blah, blah. But from a modern perspective, people would be, you know, the, the, your, your comedy friend would be on TikTok going, they canceled Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, what we're talking about is public opinion and it's been right. happening forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and often I'd say with good reason, but um, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, it, so we talked a lot about the big picture. I want to talk a little bit about the, the real personal of nostalgia mm-hmm. of uh, this is something that I think about a lot is the, some of the times that I'm nostalgic for, I catch myself uh, being nostalgic for a time when I'm objective just about my own personal life of like, oh, no, there are lots of awful things. Mm. But I'm only focusing on this one part of the memory. Mm. And I think, you know, that's why nostalgia can kind of be a half truth at best, even if you're just thinking about your own life. And I even also find myself, even sometimes I'm nostalgic for times that were objectively horrible in my life (laughs) but i think i'm nostalgic about it because we it's terrifying to live in the moment and not know how this chapter of your story ends Mm -hmm. and even have been nostalgic for a time where like i was miserable but i know exactly how i know why i know the lesson i learned i know when it ended so i can even be nostalgic for you know sitting alone in in my you know, efficiency apartment, drinking cheap wine and listening to that Tony Bennett album because that girl broke up with me because I know how that ended. <laughs> That's not actually a happy memory in any way, shape or form. Like, I wish I had some cheap wine and a girl broke up with me. Like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm curious about your own, uh, sort of your personal relationship with nostalgia and the, and the negativity from it. Uh, Jen, do you, do you find yourself uh, wrestling with personal nostalgia? Oh, yeah. Especially because right now, you know, with the strike happening, I've been kind of reevaluating my my life and looking at my past choices. And I'm like, oh, if I could just go back to that time and maybe choose a different path like sliding doors, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but why am I idealizing that time? Because, yeah, it was great. I was in college and I was learning a lot, but I also... You know, I I was having to work like two or three jobs and Mm. like it it just and I and I know I worked really hard during that time. So it's not like I I could have done anything different. These were the choices that I make. And so I think that's where I start to uh, go down a negative road where I'm I'm like wondering about what different paths I could have taken and how that would have informed my life right now. Uh, but that's not a, a healthy way to live. Mm. <laughs> we have to make peace with the past and peace with the present and think about the future of where I want to go and what I can do now. And instead of looking at my, my past as something negative or, oh, I made the wrong choice. It's like, no, that's the choice I made. And look at all these wonderful things that have happened. And there still is more, more life to live. 
Mm. Yeah, it's so hard, but I know exactly what you're describing. Ken, how about you? What What is your personal nostalgia negativity? You're, you're both saying some amazing things here that we all can uh, agree upon that uh, we've all been a part of or done, including the, God, I, I miss being depressed and, and heartbroken. Like, you know, like, that felt so good. God, the music was so good when that happened. And, and Or, uh, you know, I, I sometimes uh, nostalgic to when I first moved to L.A. and I'd work at uh, a movie theater till two in the morning. I'd come home with the leftover hot dogs and eat that for dinner all like a, <laughs> right and i'm sitting there alone at 2 30 in the morning going i'm i'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be famous right I, I, this is all gonna work out right mm, this warm sweaty hot dog sure is good like who wants to go back to that uh but uh and, and the stuff you're saying too as well jed it, it's about the um the dividing line up top. Uh, I, I think nostalgia can be a celebration of the building blocks. That experience, the loan at 2.30 in the morning to hot dog helped build me for the future, whether I knew it or not. Um, <laughs> going to be honest to do it. I, I've told so many stories here. I don't want to go into uh, the detail of it here, but you could tell how I'm feeling, how I talk about some of the big events in my life. Uh, like thousands of other people in town. I studied sketching and improv at, at the Groundlings and had a lot of great fun and, and worked with some great people went on to Saturday Night Live and everything. And how I talk about it, you can tell how I feel. Because a lot of times I'll be like, oh, it was great. Then I got to go upstairs. I got to see this costume. I worked with Kristen Wiig and Mikey Day. It was a lot of fun. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, that was the only time in which I was good. And I, mm. all these people, uh, you know, worked. I worked with went on to great things. <laughs> you know, there's, mm. there's a day I remember sitting in a parking lot going over sketches. And it was like Mikey Day, Nassim Pedrad and me. And both of them went on to great success. And here I am stuck in my day job. And I, and I, I would just slice my soul with it, right? Instead of going, wow, I got to work with these people. And what I got to do? So it is a perspective thing. And it is, so that's the, 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 the celebration of your building blocks or the trap. And I always have to check myself. And I've had some people remind me. And, and some of the stories are, are deep. You and I even on set, Joseph, had discussions on some of the things that cut me deep back then that I've mm -hmm. got to reconcile with or get over or get past. Um, or just make it part of me as I move forward. And, and so I, I think that's a danger for me um, when it's about times in our lives. And, and that's why that's why for me, the, the conversation around some of the movies and shows that sometimes um, play with nostalgia, and I think sometimes analyze nostalgia more than they get credit for. That's a different, mm -hmm. we'll wait till Four Senate returns for that. Uh, but I, I, that's why I have less of a problem with that kind of stuff. Uh, watching, watching the man in the fedora and the whip come along uh, doesn't trap me. Because I am celebrating what was before while excited for the new adventure. And that's just mm. where I'm pretty, stand pretty solidly on that. But in my own life, <laughs> it's where it hurts more. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have right. To, you know, that's where I have to watch nostalgia. Yeah. Well, I think we have a lot of good cautionary tales. And we're going to have even more <laughs> after we take a quick break. Uh, but first, we have a recommendation but I don't know what or who's going to give it. Who who has a book? I got I got one ready to go. But Jen, do you have one ready to go on Audible? I can search to see if it's there. You you had a great suggestion recently that I saw people were actually getting. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, no, I'll have one probably like next week. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Over again. <laughs> well, then I'm going to recommend something I keep talking about. Something that's a spectacular docu series. I think you all should watch. And it will affect you in ways that you can't even imagine, even though you can imagine it pretty badly. But there's a book version, an audio book version on Audible. It's The Vietnam War and Intimate History by Jeffrey C. Ward, Ken Burns, narrated by Fred Sanders, Ken Burns, and Brian Corrigan. Highly recommend it. Talk about uh, nostalgia, talking about looking back at different times and analyzing what actually happened in several different directions. It's a powerful story. 
that is uh, about a war that still affects us to this day. Uh, check that out and you can do so and support the show by going to audiblechild.com slash force center. Once again, that's audiblechild.com slash force center for your free audio book. All right. Yes. Let, let's uh, check out that important uh, book. Uh, maybe not uplifting, but definitely important. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> back in a moment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Other Center. We're taking a look back while also trying to look forward, dealing with the gift and the curse of nostalgia. Joseph, you got a, a great set of questions here in the back nine as we're golfing, so take us through it. 
Yeah, we've talked about some of our, our big picture uh, things, and I love. I would love to drill down into some specificity. We've gotten into a little bit of it, but I would love to hear from, from each of us an example of a time in our own personal lives that we're often nostalgic for, and within that specific memory, what is the, the balance of the, the good and the bad? Ken, you were sharing a little bit about your Groundlings experience, uh, but I want to I get more. Uh, Jen, for you, what, what is the time in life you're nostalgic for and what's the balance of good and bad there? Um, I, I kind of mentioned it. I, I think a lot about the, my time in college. And when I was in New York recently, um, I actually went to New York with my college and I studied acting, dance, musical theater. And it was so much fun. It was really life-changing. And so then going back there and kind of seeing some of the familiar places that I had experienced when I was in college, it was just like, wow. And Ken, you're so right. It depends on my mood and how I'm feeling. Because when I was in New York, I was really, really happy. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And now I get to bring my kids and how amazing that I got that experience. And I learned so much. And then by the time that I got to Cape Cod and it's raining and I'm like, what am I doing? All these, like you said, all these people that I've had in my acting classes have gone on to like become big stars. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like the Forrest Gump, you know, going around uh, Hollywood with all these famous people Mm -hmm. and I'm just running. Um, So yeah, it, it really just depends on, on my mood, on how I view my nostalgia. It can either be really wonderful and, and, and positive, or it can be woe is me. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I hadn't thought about, um, the negative of nostalgia as the, um, the, what was lost, uh, or not, mm. not the, what was lost, but the, the, uh, the different paths. Like I, mm. I definitely obsess on the different paths, but my own, uh, personal nostalgia, I think goes towards, uh, um, ha- happy times or things that, that I think are happy. Mm. Uh, but in particular, a, a time that I obsess over a lot for nostalgia is uh, my first apartment, uh, which was in in South Minneapolis. Um, I largely grew up in in North Minneapolis, which is uh, a place that struggles because of of poverty um, and also just because there isn't a lot of people keep trying to to start things in North Minneapolis that have community that that can build community. But uh, the way Minneapolis is just literally set up. There's, there aren't any uh, lakes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in North Minneapolis. And my dad was always like, if there's a lake in North Minneapolis, everything would be great. Uh, all of which is just, just to say that um, South Minneapolis is the exciting, artsy place in my mind. Uh, so I finally got to move to the uh, you know exciting, artsy place in South Minneapolis. This uh, big apartment building called the Belmont, which was an old hotel uh, that vaudevillians stayed at. And the apartments were set up so each uh, apartment had a closet outside of the building in the hallway as well. And when I first went in there and got the apartment, uh, the the landlord told me, he's like, yeah, that's where the vaudevillians used to store their props. And I was like, mm. I'm home. <laughs> that's where I put my squirrel costume. Um, <laughs> so there's just so much about this apartment that just felt right, felt great. Um, uh, that is where I would largely stay up until 2 a.m. playing Goldeneye. And then I would, you know, get up and, and work at uh, Kinko's. And then I would go out and do a lot of comedy shows. And, you know, I was young, so there's lots of uh, fun, you know, staying up all night and lots of uh, freedom and possibility. 
Mm. And when I look at it, it's like, yeah, no, I went through some really awful times. I had, I made some bad choices and, and bad breakups and lonely and sad and uh, did working at Kinko's way more than I like remember. Like there's a lot of time at Kinko's. Not all of it was great. Uh, but in my imagination, that moment of my life is all about freedom and possibility. So mm-hmm. I'm living by myself and I'm just beginning my life and some things are going really well and I can go anywhere from there. So I think that is both the good and the bad of it is, is thinking about like, okay, I, I want to make sure that I have that sense of not entirely trapped uh, by obligation, you know, have a little bit of free time to do things I enjoy is the good part of it to remind me that that's what it is. But the, um, you know, the, the bad part of it is misremembering it, uh, living in it, pining for it to the damage of the present. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ken, how about you? You have more groundlings memories or is there another moment you go to a lot? Well, uh, check my uh, interview last week with Joseph on radio. Uh, you can talk <laughs> a lot of the time, but to, that, that, that's an era of time that, that, that uh, syncs up uh, what you both are talking about. Uh, Jen, for me, it was post high school, graduated in 94, uh, going to study film screenwriting and, and uh, filming things with my friends and getting the radio job. And what that says to me, what I'm nostalgic for in that era, which was not a, a perfect era by any means for me, <laughs> uh, was, uh, was I, I there's so, there were so many possibilities in front of me. Um, mm. Talk about Sliding Doors, which is a great movie, by the way. The great soundtrack. Uh, yes. Great song from Aqua that's uh, overlooked <laughs> in the Barbie uh, girl song. Um and, and and I didn't question anything, right? I just did it. Oh, I, I want to, yeah, you want to go film something this weekend? Let's do that. You want to get a little talk show pilot? That Let's do that. Uh, you want to record a radio show? Let's do that. And because mm-hmm. I felt that's what I was here for, right? And um, there again, a lot of things around the time. Uh, that was driving my wonderful 1981 Ford Fairmont. Uh, <laughs> wow. Joseph and I share. Uh, that, that, that's when I had my Ford Fairmont as well at the Belmont. Yeah, the car of nostalgia. Um, wow. And so I love that era. And But also I need to remind myself of, uh, again, this, the times I'd look back and be like, oh, yeah, I did it all there. And, and I didn't choose to go forward in the right ways or I made some bad decisions for myself or I wasn't in full, full control of my emotions when it came to a lot of personal relationships and all those kind of things. Uh, so uh, that's when I, I do. But I do like thinking that I, I need to apply that energy now sometimes where mm-hmm. I'm kind of in the same situation. I got and now I even have more equipment. I always, I wish I had a cell phone that was also a movie studio in 1994. My life would have been better. I swear it. I swear to God, it would have been better. Uh, But I didn't have that. You had to go either buy or rent or, you know, hope to get a job at a radio station to get audio equipment. Uh, So all that was there. Um, But the energy behind it is what I'm nostalgic for of, of, yeah, I'm out of high school. The world is my oyster and this is what I'm here for. So let me not question the thoughts I have that are about creative things or projects to do. We're just going to do it. And, and that's what I love about the air. Yeah. yeah. This is really interesting to me because some of that pining for, which we all went to as our first example, yeah. as you know, when we were in our late teens, early twenties and starting out and many, many roads were open to us. Some of that, uh, that feeling that there aren't as many roads are open is just brutally true. It's just age, right? They're just, yeah. 
there's some things that we could still absolutely pursue and there's some things that we can. There's just time is, is finite and that's part of being human. Mm. So there, there's a certain amount of reckoning with that. Yeah. But then at, at the same time, I'm curious how you both feel about if if it is a sort of a limitation of our own thinking, a limitation that culture puts on us that we should be settled in, in a path. And mm. do we have right now in this moment a lot of that freedom and possibility that we're pining for? Do we have more freedom and possibility than we are maybe feeling sometimes. Jen, what do you think about that? Hmm. You know, yes, I, I think that I think that you're right. It is about like our the limitations that we put on ourselves, also time, also money, paying bills. There's a lot more responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see those quotes are like so and so didn't write their first novel until they were 55. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that gi- that gives me some hope. <laughs> I think a lot of it, though, for me, I'll never forget. I took my headshots. My I think it was like my very first headshots, and the photographer was like, "Wow, you're such a breath of fresh air. You're not jaded." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't understand." I was like, "How could I possibly be jaded? Like, I could never imagine myself becoming jaded about being an actor." And here I am, all these years later, and I'm a little bit jaded. Mm-hmm. And the industry is has it really they are tough on people. This entertainment mm-hmm. industry, and it is brutal. And you have to be almost delusional with self confidence to pick yourself up time and time again <laughs> to continue putting yourself through this torture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so I think it is a mental thing. If if I could get rid of that jadedness and still believe that the possibilities are there, that the roads are still open. Like you said, Ken, we have all this technology that I would have died for as a kid. Um, yeah, it is, it is this mental thing, mental block, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, what do you think? I, I look, I, I, the one, one thing I, I I'll say to the, the three of us and anyone listening, um, especially of, of a certain age where you're still trying to accomplish these things is uh, don't beat yourself up when you don't get it. Or don't beat yourself up when you're on the, that path um, that others are on, all those kind of uh, things. I don't want to sound like some kind of uh, bad podcast philosopher, but all that stuff's kind of true. But also the other side is, yeah, the opportunities are there. I, I don't have as much energy. I don't have as much time. That era I'm talking about, I lived at home. So I got off my radio mm-hmm. job and went home to where my parents were paying for things. I still mm-hmm. got my own food and, you know, you know, did my own laundry. My mom had me doing that from like 11 on. All right. And then I'm thankful for that stuff. Um, but, you know, I had a different, time, you know, a lot of, that's the nostalgia goggles, right? You're not, uh, uh, it's a different time. And even right now we, we all have jobs or things that we have to do just to survive or, or make sure we're taking care of, um, our bills. So I, I think it's, it's a, it's a combination, but yeah, I think the doors are open. I, I, again, that's why I don't want, I don't want to sound like the rock on an Instagram post, but like, if you want to get into shape, um, generally speaking, unless you've got some circumstances that are keeping you from it, um, you can do it. <laughs> you just got to do it. There's a great quote years ago talking Jennifer Coolidge and Reese Witherspoon, the first uh, movie they did together. And they're on set and, and Jennifer, uh, talented. I mean, you know, getting all the, 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 the accolades now, but she's been funny since she was on stage of the Groundlings in the 90s. And uh, she wanted to get in better shape. And, and, and Reese kind of looks at her and goes, well, you know how you do it? You see that donut over there? You don't eat it. And mm. it's just like, <laughs> it, insanely simple and insanely wrong because it's much more complicated than all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But I, I still hold on to that now when I look at myself where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing it. It's like, shut up and do it then. Shut up, yeah. either do it or don't. Um, and again, it's way more complicated than that. But And, and I want to allow myself the grace to be like, you know what? Tonight it's Fortnite and a pizza. Because <laughs> 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 
That's and that's what I get nostalgia. Yeah. nostalgic for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think with youth, there's a part of it that you know you have more years, you have more roads, you have more choices, but you're also you know so young, you don't know everything that's going to make you jaded. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. right. Like Jennifer's saying, yeah. or, or we've, we've heard it, but you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Older person. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And then you experience it yourself and yeah. you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, now I feel it. Um, so I do think that there is, you know, a, a lot that we have to accept when we're older. A thing I've really tried to accept is I just want to do and be more things than I'm ever going to have time to do. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like limiting and sad, but a lot of it I've been getting a lot more freedom from of like, you know, like The Rock says, I can get in great shape if I want to choose to make time for that. But mm-hmm. there's been a freedom in, in in accepting like, OK, maybe 17, 28 roads were in front of me uh, back at the Belmont in South Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, and maybe now there are only seven. But those mm-hmm. roads are still in front of me and I can still choose. Mm-hmm. That's been been uh, freeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. This is great therapy, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we'll all we'll pass some money back and forth to one another for the counseling. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've talked about the personal. I want to talk about uh, still the personal, something we experience, but also something we experience as a group. So um, I want to talk mm-hmm. about something that is not necessarily personal, but a part of society that has truly changed that you're nostalgic for and you're you're kind of okay with. Um, I'll, I'll start because it's kind of a weird question. Um, my wife and I last night uh, watched one of our uh, last uh, Netflix mm. physical discs. Yeah. Uh, wow. wow. Uh, and we're choosing on our like insanely long queue. Like what, what's maybe the last one? Uh, and we're talking about the era, not just of that, but of uh, specifically the era of going to a video store to pick out a film and how, you know, the, the streaming world with all of its problems is, uh, certainly more convenient. And in theory, it always sounded great to have almost everything available at your fingertips as opposed to, you know, the archaic having to get in a car, walk somewhere and then discuss with seven people what you want to watch and have to return it. <laughs> but the ritual of that, that it made watching something, not just a eh, hit a button, but an event with yes. choice. Mm-hmm. Um we were talking about being nostalgic for that. And like, we're lucky that in LA, we still do have a couple of video stores. My wife and I are talking about like, well, maybe we'll just, you know, we, we love what we have now, even with all the problems with the strikes and we're lucky for it. And we're lucky to have all these Blu-rays and blah, blah, blah. Um, but maybe if we want to experience that, not live in the past, but just experience that, maybe we should just some night go on Friday night. <laughs> we have to drive an insanely far distance to Pasadena and pick out a movie. There's nothing practical <laughs> about it, but there's a romance to it because it's an event. Mm-hmm. Like That's something I'm nostalgic for without thinking like, and everybody should go back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken, what's something like that for you that's like a, a part of society that has truly changed? Well, first of all, I'll recommend, I don't know if you can rent, I think you can, but there's uh, one around the corner from me now, a VHS oh, really? a pop culture store. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, there you go. I was gonna, almost going to give you the address. I would not do that to myself here. Um, yeah, uh, it's funny. We went to the same spot and it's based around physical media. But I think what you're talking about is the event thing. So uh, me being a music fan, I, I, I've, I've long embraced... This, the streaming side of things, the digital music side. Uh, number one, when you move too many times and you have to cart around six boxes of CDs, you, you, your love affair with CDs maybe changes a little bit. Uh, and I can't even really listen to them anymore. I don't even know if my, my, I'm blessed with a new car. I don't know if I can play the CDs in them. I have to check. Um, 
So uh, other than there are some, a lot of problems, again, uh, talk about new technology and those who grab it and use it as a power. Uh, there's definitely some, uh, I would say, payout issues with Spotify and Apple Music and all those things. I think Apple's a little better than Spotify. So that aside, that's, a, that's definitely a problem. Um, I, I love all that. I love having all the music I want at my fingertips, even in discovering new artists. Uh, the, 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 the dreaded Spotify algorithm. I, I find so many new bands because uh, their algorithm's like, oh, this is kind of, you know, and I embrace that. But man, do I miss needing, if I wanted music, needing not just to listen to the radio, but to go to a store with friends. I, a friend of mine uh, uh, in this era, neck of the woods, uh, Jay, and we used to, there used to be a thing about once every two months, we'd get in his car, I'd drive to his house uh, in Pasadena, and we'd go around to six music and record shops. And mm. talk music, get lunch, uh, buy. Hey, oh, you, you should try that. You never heard really, really teenage fan club. Here, take it. Get this album here. Oh, oh, he, he's a big aha fan. He's like, trust me, they're more than their their single that they're remembered for. Take on me. That is not aha. You got to get this album. And, <laughs> and we would do that. And, and or me and my friends, uh, you know, I. I, I I spent too much money on it. That's probably the danger of looking back on it. But like every Tuesday was release day. You go to Best Buy and what new uh, CDs, DVDs or Blu-rays could you get? And probably I had some debt early on in my life. But um, I, I miss what you're talking about, Joseph, that that event thing uh, and connecting with the music. And and the the, the album in, in the music industry died a long time ago, unfortunately. There's still great albums being released. And there are great albums out there. Taylor Swift fans will tell you this and they're not mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but the old days of, of, of an album, buying it, what are they saying? What is the artist saying? Track one, mm-hmm. the final track. That was lost for the most part. It's, it's, not, it's, it's presented differently. And, uh, and, and you can never go back to it, maybe. I, I don't think you can. Um, but that's what I miss in terms of that art form and what it meant. And, and just going to a place like Amoeba and, and mm-hmm. shopping mm. to Ben Montench, the keyboard player from, from the Heartbreakers. Johnny Knoxville was there one night and I thought, oh God, someone's going to prank me right here, right now. Like just the fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and, and just also the audacity of, of the staff. There was a, a legendary story. Uh, I don't enjoy uh, who he's become or maybe he always was, but Eric Clapton, legendary uh, musician that he is and blues man, asked for a new blues album and a, an employee there lectured him on, on blues. <laughs> Not no. Oh my god! I love that <laughs> stuff, man. It was a hip place to go. I sound like an old man, uh, and I, that's what I miss. Well, Ken, it still is. I was. I'm lucky to live within walking distance, and I went there yesterday. I, gotta go. I, gotta, I haven't been to that it's, location. I gotta go. It's it's great. You, you know, and, and this is, I think, one of those places where you have to be careful about nostalgia because things change, and that's okay. And some of the things that we pine for are still there a little bit. I think you might feel a little bit more connection there because it's such a community. Mm-hmm. It's physical media, but a lot of it is the huge popularity of vinyl, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. and the the resurgence of vinyl, I think, is a response to things becoming uh, too mechanized, to people wanting to physically hold things in their hands. VHS uh, tapes are apparently becoming popular without even having players, but just like mm, uh, mm. my nephew was telling me about it, it's just like uh, people just want to hold the thing they love. It's mm. weird to love something that you can't put on your wall. Um, some of the vinyl collectors that I've talked to don't actually play the vinyl, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, but they want to physically hold on to it. Uh, but man, going to Amoeba is a lot of this. It's a, a sense of community. Mm. You can strike up a conversation with people if you want. Uh, and the power of, of records and artwork still being an important part of music, you know? Well, there you mm-hmm. go. I got to get there. Yeah. 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 Um, 
uh, Jen, uh, do you have an example of this kind of thing? Yeah, it's interesting that we're all kind of going to like missing connection with other mm. people, right? <laughs> because it was like you're talking about going to the video store, and I had that same thought just yesterday. I was like, there was an event. I would go with my with my dad, and we would go pick our movie. And I and I wish I could do that with my kids. That it was so much fun. It was like our Friday nights, um, and it actually my my not gripe, but something that I do miss is having a landline. And I know a lot of people have landlines still, like my mom. Uh, we don't. And I have not had one for a while. But the reason why I miss it is because my daughter wants to talk to her friends. And what has become a new thing is now the, the parent of her friend will, or different friends will say, hey, can the girls FaceTime? And that's pretty cool, right? To be able to see your friend and you, they get to see each other's rooms and, oh, look at this thing I got over summer break. But then that means that my phone is gone for like 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, uh, uh. There was something about being able to get a, a phone directory from school, right? That had all the kids' phone numbers and their parents' names. And you could call up your friend. Yes, you might have to talk to their parent. Oh, so-and-so there, right? It's a little awkward. Mm -hmm. But then you had that independence of being able to connect with your friend of being able to figure out when you guys want to see each other um, or going off in your room and chatting for an hour. I, I really do. I miss that. And mm. I, I, we won't ever get to that. And I guess the reason why I'm also wistful for it, because I don't want my daughter to have a phone. The longest, the longer that I can prolong her having a cell phone, mm. the better. Right. So uh, that would be a great way for me to, to prevent that. But most people don't have landlines. So mm. we're stuck with FaceTime. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's so amazing. I remember watching like, um, you know, uh, superhero cartoons where they had the like, wow, those superheroes can look at each other's faces when they make phone calls. <laughs> it's impossible. And now I'm like, oh, FaceTime, please. No. Exactly. I'm like, oh, shoot, our house is a mess. I have no makeup on. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. They'll see the action figure mountain on my dining room table. No. Yes. Uh, so we, we have been doing a great job talking about nostalgia is it uh, doesn't necessarily relate uh, to pop culture. But without getting too deep into any specific works of, of a struck company, um, do you think entertainment has become too obsessed with nostalgia? Ken, uh, what are your thoughts? There? Yes, I, I, I do. From this point of view, though, I think like anything, uh, it could be. Um, misconstrued the, the 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 positive effects of things can be misconstrued by those uh, in power and those whose jobs depend on it. it it's a, it's a tried and true thing. I, I think you're seeing with that uh, uh, motion picture based on a famous doll. Uh, you're going to see a lot of copycat movies that are, that might be good ideas. Uh, it's up to the artists who are going to be making those movies to make them as impactful as the one that's out right now. Uh, which is uh, impactful on a, on a level I can't even fully comprehend yet. I uh, can't wait to talk about it one day uh, with you all. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the danger, right? right? So so um, I get where it all started. I, I always would say, like, you know, the, the nerds from the 80s started getting, getting decision-making jobs in the, in the business or started making things, and we were going to go back to what formed us, the pop culture of the 80s or the late 70s. That, that made perfect sense, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Exploring it, exploring, uh, you know, uh, taking those cartoons and can we do them realistic or what was going on there or can we just redo it? I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it's all about the artists that do it and what they do with it. Uh, you know, uh, the space franchise stuff we love talking about. I, I think one of the critiques um, that some folks can, can levy at it, including some who've been involved with it in the past, 
have this, ah, it's just the same old thing. I just really think that's incorrect. I just think that's not looking at the whole picture. You're not analyzing what it has to say about that. Uh, the generational change, the the old and the new and all those things are the shadow of the past and how we all, even those who lived it, have to reconcile. with it. All that's on display in those films. Uh, but someone else, someone who needs their job um, to be safe and doesn't want to take a risk, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And they're going to just lean on, oh, that work, let, let's get that. It happens in sports, uh, the NFL, most, most powerfully. One team wins the Super Bowl with a certain kind of offense. Six teams have the same offense next year. It's just always kind of been the case. That's how it works. You have the one groundbreaker, and then you have everyone else going, great, let's try to do that for ourselves, which maybe you should, but you forget what made that first team great. You actually forget what they did. It wasn't just a playbook. It was the people inhabiting the roles. It was the coaches getting you through the role. And I I think that's where I see the industry at. And it has been for a while. It's not new. Um, so this stuff can be done bad. And too many people can meddle in it. Um, and and, and then the message can get watered down. But it's all up to the artists, the real humans behind it all, to make it something that matters. Uh, I remember when Greta Gerwig uh, uh, was announced as, as the director, correcter of this movie out now. There was a lot of eye rolling, wasn't there? Not 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 her. Yeah, no. It's like, oh, this this emerging director has to do this, and she mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this," and they let me do this. Very brave, my mm-hmm. dad. Um, mm-hmm. And and <clears throat> now we're going to see more things that are ha- going to happen, which you know, uh, we're going to see a Polly Pocket Princess movie that has no depth. To it, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see. And I'm always going to try to. We'll see it, you know, and, and hope for the best. Yeah. No, I, I love a ton of what you're saying, Ken. I would make the distinction that uh, there there's a distinction between nostalgia and IP, hmm. intellectual property. You're even talking about a third thing, which is just sort of like the um, the copycat factor, which has been going on since the dawn of, of Hollywood, of like the, mm-hmm. the, that movie, a guy slipped on a banana and they liked it. So I need some more banana slipping movies, right? right. <laughs> you know, the, uh, but for me, there are, um, like you were saying, Ken, I think there are films that are about nostalgia. Mm. I think the, as you're saying, I think the sequel trilogy is about nostalgia. And we've discussed before, we'll discuss it again when we get back into full gear. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, other, in the slate of let's revisit or reboot or uh, continue uh, a television show. Some of them just like, it's back and it's doing the same thing and they didn't do well. And then things where the artists say, we want to look at the past. We want to wrestle with it, not just continue it. Uh, those were artistically successful, critically well-reviewed. Um, so I think there are works that are about uh, nostalgia. I think there are works that are sort of timeless. Like, we're going to revisit classic characters. Um, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes is going to be updated often. Uh, the book Little Women has been translated into film throughout the history of film and it's going to continue to be mm. uh so there there's works that deal with nostalgia there are works that are like it's normal to to update and adapt things that are sort of evergreen and, and bring this character this story into into modern times but there's this overlap between ip and nostalgia like for me like the 87th superhero movie with this super deep bench character can be nostalgia because i grew up with that comic book character yeah um and that appeal for me is is dying off because it did start with the novelty of I can't believe this character is on screen. Mm. And now even when we're getting to the deepest bench of like, this is super duper bonkers absurd to imagine that this character is on screen, much less has their entire own film. 
uh, but that is not pulling at me. But I don't. So so that can be nostalgia, depending on who you're you're targeting. But I think the w- reason it's being made is is IP, and it's exactly what I think you're saying, Ken. Is it, executives need and want the safety of a pre-existing thing. Um, and I've experienced being uh, just having a, a toe in the industry, sort of the absurdity of that. Three times I have had kind of general meetings with production companies that own uh, this new big umbrella of IP. Mm. And I've been invited to pitch on it and they'd be like we, we we've got this now and we want to we want to really get the most value out of this ip ip is what's next ip 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 mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and then they'll be like but not uh these seven parts of it that are well known so do you want to mm-hmm. dig in the absolute dustbin of history to the point where it's comic of the stated value is this is ip it is you know existing intellectual property but we're actually asking you to pitch on a part of the IP that no one knows or remembers. But just the fact that it's labeled IP makes somebody up the chain feel safer. Yeah. Mm. And and I, it, every time I turn in the pitches, the, I got great feedback. Of, this is great. The boss says no because nobody knows this character. And I was going to be like, I know. <laughs> I told you that to begin with. And, you know, that's why... It, I think it's great that like books get gobbled up and, mm-hmm. and podcasts get gobbled up. And that's like a more reliable way into the industry than just pitching something uh, original, mm-hmm. which I think is actually great for those creators. And I got no problem with that, but it, it points to the, like uh, there is a real fear to green light anything that is just born new into the world, mm-hmm. uh, which is the executive's problem. And it is also us as an audience, you know, we got to turn out for those things, which cause yeah. can be really hard to do. And, and I think they, the, sorry to go on and on about this. I feel mm-hmm. passionate about it, that there's an overlap between, I do think there is too much nostalgia and we need to pivot away from it, but it's more the IP that is the problem. And then nostalgia is like this thing that falls under the mm-hmm. IP to me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jennifer? Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly it. The problem is that the studios are are thinking nostalgia and IP are are gi- that nostalgia is a given with an IP. The problem is they're not looking at why we're nostalgic over something. Like, wh- what is it? Why were Garbage Pail Kids so popular? What was happening during that time culturally in, in America? You know, what feeling did they evoke fans? I think that that's the reason why, and I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to see it, but that that uh, Pink pink Doll movie <laughs> that I was talking about. <laughs> and I think the reason why it's so successful from what I've been hearing and reading is that it's Greta Gerwig and the heart and the the Margot Robbie and like the heart of that team that made that movie is the reason why it is successful. It's not that they just were like, we're just going to make a, a movie about this doll, right? Yeah. Which you can see all this stuff on Netflix. There's tons of Barbie movies. There's Polly Pocket shows. There's all these My Little Pony, all this stuff, right? But the shows that actually have heart that you can tell that they get why we love these characters, why we're nostalgic for these stories, that's when they have these billion-dollar hits. And so I think that studios are going to discover real fast, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of copycats now. They're going to learn that people are people are not going to be going and seeing a movie at all over and over again just because, you know, it's a slinky movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Sorry. So that was based on a satire, a satirical comedic video I saw. It was really freaking funny. They were talking about IP and they're like, yeah, I'm a starring in the new Slinky movie. I play Slinky. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get into the why of Slinky. Exactly. Yeah. Which the Pink Doll movie does get into the, the why mm. very successfully. Uh, so as we begin to wrap up here, um, I will. And I think uh, the Pink Doll movie does this. Uh, I'm curious about you, what you feel is your your favorite healthy way to bring nostalgia into the present. Ken, how do you bring nostalgia into the present in, in a positive way for yourself? Uh, you go to the store, you grab that food item that you had as a kid, you take it home, you buy it, you take it home, you eat it, and you go, ha, it wasn't as good as I remember. I'm going to look for something that's just as good now. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's how you do it. Um, I, I think to always analyze it. To analyze the differences, to be aware of the differences, all the things we've talked about, whether it's personal or into uh, politics or the movie, uh, movies, never to throw it all away, um, but to see what's there, to not ignore the bad, to build from it, um, to not destroy the past, to uh, to make it part of you. Uh, I, I think that's the way I do it. And, and to be okay with those moments where I slip up, to be okay with those moments where I'm like, oh, man, I used to do that thing. Um, my dad lives with that a lot. I hear my dad a lot of, oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. And they just stopped. So I don't want to do that. So I'm always going to measure it um, measure it that way. Uh, what, what am I using it for? To move me forward or to keep me there? Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think um, Jen, your discussion of, uh, of the, the why of the IP, I think that is, for me, the, the healthy way to bring nostalgia into the present. There's the little things of like, hey, this action figure has this card back and gives me a little burst of dopamine and it doesn't hurt anything to buy it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but for the bigger stuff, it's the why. Um, and, and part of the reason that I, that I wanted to start working on short film stuff is because I can use a lot of different skills that I've let go and haven't had time to connect with like, um, Mm -hmm. acting and visual art. And in particular, just like, really literal physically making things that that time that I'm so nostalgic for uh, at the Belmont if I needed a prop for a sketch comedy show I just got duct tape and wire and I made it um mm-hmm. and I fell so far away from that because like yeah time and money and I have to clean up afterwards if I do that <laughs> got so crusty with myself in lots and lots of ways and doing the short film it's not like just some magic fix-all but the time where I'm reconnecting with the why of that nostalgia of I'm reconnecting with not letting, not telling myself ahead of time why I can't do something and just mm. physically making things with my hands and, and trying to connect to the why of the nostalgia has been uh, a, a really positive thing for myself. Um, Jen, I've made the mistake a couple uh, of, of these discussions, not ending on you. So we're ending <laughs> <laughs> on you. Uh, what is your favorite healthy way to bring nostalgia into the present? It's two ways. One is like the physical, like you're talking about. So reusing uh, my secret of Nim uh, lunch pail <laughs> and using it to store paint or, uh, you know, the glasses that we all have, this, the Star Wars retro glasses, right? I had a, a party for my kid. I put the silverware in that. Like Aww. little touches around the house that make me feel like it's my nostalgia, my childhood, and the things that I loved are, are close, right? They're still, they're still with me. And then the second way is really just talking to my kids about it and introducing them. I, the, <laughs> we're in Cape Cod. I hear my daughter. She's in the pool and I hear e e. Ewok. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're still going on this. She hasn't watched it for months. 
And she just started singing it randomly. And it made me so happy. We are reading Strawberry Shortcake books at night because they've oh. they've rebooted that <laughs> franchise at IB. Little Little D. Yes. Yeah. And my my four-year-old loves it. Um, and it's just getting to experience it again through their eyes. It is a, a rebirth and it just it just makes me happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is that is beautiful. I, I was right to end on <laughs> on your beautiful story of uh, of uh <laughs> strawberry shortcake and rebirth uh again do you want to let people know where they can find us absolutely we are the four center podcast feed also other center right now we're on twitter at four center pod one threads as well facebook page is four center podcast instagram and youtube we will have updated information soon on our next live stream and other center live stream q a coming your way uh, by the end of the month, podcasts available on a lot of spots. Check out Acast, our iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can support us directly. So many of you had, have, and so many uh, have increased their support over at patreon.com slash force center. Really helps us uh, always, now, and forever. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or Go to my website, canapsock.com. I do want to highlight one thing. Uh, we have the devastating uh, wildfire in Maui. There's a lot of ways to help, but there's an organization I have highlighted before that is doing some direct help there. It is the California Fire Foundation. You can go to them uh, at uh, cafirefoundation.org. Uh, and they are uh, taking uh, donations and all the support will go directly to the Hawaii Firefighters Association. Uh, that uh, is an organization that helps support firefighters during the fight, after the fight as well, as well as their, their families who are part of the communities that are affected. So that's one way to help. There's many ways to help what's going on in Maui. Uh, that's one way I want to suggest. Uh, Jennifer, where can they find and follow you? Thank you so much for highlighting that. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Jennifer Landa. You can see some of my adventures in New York uh, on my Instagram. And now that my kids are in school, I will be back to making content about who knows what. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something retro, but more generic. <laughs> more generic. <laughs> the road is wide open. Yes. Uh, you can follow me on uh, all the various social media that you have. Um, on Blue Sky and Threads right now, trying to post, uh, repost everything to every every social media site. At Joseph Grimshaw is my handle everywhere. And uh, some uh, more information on short films coming up very soon. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, don't get too nostalgic, my friends, but take a swing through it every now and then. Get that fruit roll up and enjoy it. We'll see you next time <laughs> here on Force Center. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.